We have um, special visitors amongst us today. Um, David grew up as part of Pip and Jim's <sighs> too many years ago. And um, David and Robin got married some four years ago. And baby Talia is now five months today, is it? Is that right? No, you actually put the wrong date on the thing. <gasps> so where it says 10th of November, it wasn't 10th of November. It's supposed to say 19th. It's supposed to say 19th of November, was it? Oh, well. So she's almost five months old. Um, and David and Robin live in Uganda normally and have come over to see, uh, well, not to see, to show off Talia to <laughs> you guys, but also to grandparents and other relatives around. So um, welcome. Thank you. What would you like? What can we say this morning? Well, I'm very glad to be here. I'm glad Tim Clinzo's here because he owes me a pair of trousers. I lent to him about 30 years ago and he gave me back ripped. Ripped! (laughs) No, we have a long history here and it's been really good to share our journey with you as we go. Am I going to go on into the sermon from this? Well, perhaps we could pray pray for you and you could get your earpiece in the right place. Yeah. So um, it's just really good to be here and... Very good to introduce you to Talia, who's such a gift, real gift to us. Brilliant. So we'll hear more about um, all that in a few minutes. Let's just pray for you, um, and um, then David's going to lead us in our sermon this morning. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you then for that gift of new life. We thank you for Talia, and we ask that you would continue to bless her, that you would help Talia to know you as friend and saviour. Thank you for the privilege of Christian parents. Thank you for the... Um, joy that she brings to Sarah and to Rhea too. Mm. We ask that you would bless and encourage at this time. Amen. 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 Of this little one. Brilliant. So you shared a big part of uh, the journey with Talia. Um, as last time we were here, 14 months ago, uh, Robin miscarried at 16 weeks. And I know many of you prayed. And, uh, you know, thinking about the reading we have today and the story that's before us these disciples face great disappointment on the road and uh, we can really testify that our Emmaus road experience was that God gave us such peace and it took away the questions, the whys It, it healed our hearts and as we went through the milestones of time with Talia in the pregnancy and reached 16 weeks we were so glad to have Father to walk through those events with. And uh, so today, it's a very relevant uh, reading that we have in the story in Mark. Let's pray as we ask Father, we ask you to open up your word to us as you did through Jesus on that day and gave such hope to those who were disappointed downcast and hopeless thank you father that's our experience it's my experience that you come into the middle of sorrow and frustration and questions and you answer with peace which is powerful thank you that you answer with hope which is anchoring us to anchored in heaven for us through jesus And we thank you, Lord, that this morning your word is as alive and as powerful as that word that Jesus shared with those disappointed disciples on the 
Emmaus Road. So, Father, speak this morning. Let your word really ring true in hearts and bring that sense of your presence. We thank you, Father, you're here. Amen. So we've shared this journey with you, with joys now and tears before. It's 14 months since we went back to Uganda and when we went back we spent, um, actually let's look at the next pictures because it's those we left behind. It's a bit dark because our children are dark but you can see Raya and Sarah just, that was their first seeing of Talia. Um, And next one. They just love her so much. They do a great job of looking after her and um, they're going to miss her for this this month. But uh, we went back to uh, Uganda and worked at Mutumioni, which we were looking after a centre, a retreat centre, with 19 staff on the banks of the Nile for seven months. And uh, that was a great privilege. Gave us lots of experience towards our project with the guest house. Um, This is one of the main things we're doing. Um, And it's a project to see the poor prosper in employment, creating a highly motivated team to offer excellent service in a small boutique hotel with a big heart, a heart to generate more with and for those who have less. And uh, Robin's work before I met her and married four years ago was with malnourished babies, and she had a centre where up to 14 at a time would come. Uh, Now we've moved that work, we've really transitioned to doing it in the community, so that families can be strengthened to look after their own children. Giving those skills into the community, rather than hiding them behind closed doors and having a successful result, giving a baby back that's healthy, now we're sharing with mothers how they can keep their kids healthy. And and, uh, the guest house is our steps towards bringing sustainability towards that and other projects. So we were on the banks of the Nile for um, seven months, as I said, and you can go on to the next slide. Um, uh, Another thing you walked through with us was the girls' citizenship. They went to America um, and uh, left me behind to complete their citizenship for a very big birthday. It was 30 years ago I lent the trousers. I was very, very young. Um, And I decided to celebrate with extreme sport, so I decided to do whitewater kayaking. I'd never seen a kayak before, didn't really know what they looked like. So it was with trepidation I set off, and if you go to the next slide, I had canoe number eight. Well, I didn't see number eight because there was a message there for me, and it jumped out at me. You may struggle to see it, but I was ready for it because I was a bit nervous, and I needed reassurance that uh, this day was going to go fine. And uh, there, if you look at the next slide, the number eight was written a long time ago, and it's a bit worn out. I saw it upside down. I don't know if you can just look and see the S. The number eight looks like an S-O-N. Sun. It was a great message from Father to me, because... um, it, it meant the day was enjoyable. It was a sense of God being with me, him calling me son. And uh, it leads me to a verse which has become um, a real key verse to us in our work in Uganda as well. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. 
John 14, 18. I think that's a big message in this story today. Jesus met the, these two disciples on the road. They were wondering. They were looking back. They were thinking about the events of the last three days. Three days, And there was a lot of disappointment in their conversation. They hadn't had the empty tune experience, although they'd heard about it. If you remember in our passage, they said, yes, it was as the women said, but they saw an empty tomb, they didn't see Jesus. And that's where these disciples were, pondering what had happened, feeling disappointed, feeling dejected, because surely the Messiah was going to come and redeem them from their captors, the Romans, who were over them. So, as they were walking on the road, I'm sure their eyes were down. They were downcast. They were chatting with one another. And this stranger's shadow might have been the first thing that met them. Jesus, but they didn't recognize him. All they saw was a shadow on the road. A dark shadow. They weren't really welcoming to him, probably. Because they were in their personal grief. And he was going to walk with them. Not only that, but he said, What are you talking about? And they said, You don't know? You don't know what's been happening these last few days? And as they told him and unpacked the story as they saw it, he started to bring a new perspective, a different perspective. And I think they would have lifted their eyes from the shadow gradually. But it reminds me of Hebrews 10 verse 1, where it talks of a shadow that preceded Jesus. We can go to the next slide. Okay, next one. Hebrews 10.1 talks about the temple and all the ritual sacrifices, how it was the shadow of the reality to come. The reality to come was Jesus. The fulfillment of the law was in him. His obedience and his sacrifice was the fulfillment of all the law. And this was the shadow. The strangers, the, the disciples were clinging in a sense, to the shadow of the law, to the past, to what they expected Jesus would do, rather than meeting the reality of who he was. But as he shared from the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms that the Messiah had to die, it says later on in the story that they were, their hearts were strangely warmed. Jesus was the shadow of, sorry, Jesus' shadow went before him. As he came from the light, as he came from God, a shadow comes before. That's what people saw first. It was a fearful thing for those people who didn't actually look up and understand what Jesus really came to do. So as they moved on, as they journeyed to Emmaus, find my place on here, my pink iPad. Their eyes clung to the road where a stranger's shadow met them. Jesus' long shadow fell across the road in front of them, as dark as their confusion and disappointment, stretched hopelessly long with the descending sun. A stranger wanted to gatecrash their pity party. 
what are you in discussion about? Then he starts to open up the scriptures to them. As the disciples reached Emmaus, it appeared the stranger would go on, but the man spoke with authority. His rod and his staff comforted them. He guided them out of despair, and they wanted him to stay. In reality, it was Jesus inviting them into hope, not an invitation they give to him. He had prepared a feast for them in the presence of their enemies. The very people that they had expected to be overthrown by the Messiah were still the occupying force in Israel. Their disappointment, sense of failure and loss, even the occupying army that Jesus in their minds had failed to overthrow, a feast of scripture fulfilled in him, once written on tablets of stone, now being written on their hearts. They sat down to eat, verse 30 tells us. He took a small loaf of bread, asked God to bless it, and broke it, and then gave it to them. Just as he had given them the scripture that have fulfilled, were fulfilled in his body, the reality that most people only saw the shadow of, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. At that moment, he disappeared. Henri Nguyen says he was not seen by them any longer, not because he had left them, but that he had relocated to live in them. He had invaded the disappointment and the wounded areas of their lives with a life-changing promise. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He hadn't condemned their questioning or their doubts. He'd walked through it with them and lifted their eyes. Didn't our hearts feel strangely warmed as he talked with us on the road and explained the scripture to us? The burning within them, could it not have foreshadowed the baptism of the Holy Spirit which was to come, the seal of their sonship, the glorious freedom of the sons of God which we enjoy? They knew who they were from that point, by God's decision and his initiative, by what Jesus had done for them. Their eyes were lifted from the earthly preoccupation, the Roman occupation, to the heavenly reality that he has invited us all into. passage tells us that within an hour the disciples were back on the road going in the opposite direction to Jerusalem. They'd seen something and they wanted to share it with the other disciples. Their mindset had been disturbed by death but now was transformed by life. From this new perspective things would never be the same again. This was true repentance. They had stumbled to Emmaus walking away from the grave where all their hopes were buried and life took on pointlessness. With every step, their dreams had been buried. But now, with this change of direction, they also had had a change of mind and heart. It set them back on the same road, but invaded with hope and purpose to testify to the risen Christ. They found the other disciples enthusiastically sharing that Peter had seen Jesus. They added their experience, and as they did, Jesus appeared in the room. You'd think they'd welcome him. 
but they were scared. They thought he was a ghost. Isn't that the nature of our life journey? From doubts to certainties to doubts again, and Jesus comes alongside us, tirelessly walking with us. He can handle our doubts, and his kindness leads us to think again, to repent, to open our eyes and minds to the reality of who he is and who he makes us. Of the disciples in that room, five were crucified. Three were stoned to death. One survived the boiling in oil and was exiled. That was John. One was beheaded. And if you include Jesus Iscariot's replacement, two were speared to death. The journey ahead for all of them was rough. The cataclysmic events described in Matthew 24 by Jesus when he was seeing Jerusalem as he entered on a donkey, not on a white charger, not on a, uh, what would be a victor's animal, but a donkey. Not even just a donkey, but a colt. I think he looked pretty silly. Like riding a toy. He humbled himself in that way. So when Jesus saw Jerusalem, he said, How often I've wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But Jesus spoke of the destruction of Jerusalem, that not a single stone would remain on another. That day, three sets of feet had trod the Emmaus Road. Within 40 years, 800 Roman feet would tread it. Emmaus became a Roman garrison and the soldiers billeted there took the road to Jerusalem to quell a Jewish revolt against the Roman occupation. The city was besieged, the temple was destroyed, and its gold, along with 100,000 captives, was taken to Rome to build the Colosseum. A temple to the Roman victory. A temple to their... Pagan, they used to call Christians pagans because we didn't believe in their gods. To the Roman heroes that fought and even died in their great Colosseum, which seated between 50 and 80,000, in the next one you can see it's filled with water in this one, they reenacted a battle, but they really killed people. Mock ships, but real deaths. To the Romans, the meaning of life was honour. To the saints, the meaning of life is love. The Romans were truly conquerors. Jesus didn't liberate Jerusalem from them, as his disciples had hoped. But the Emmaus Road encounter liberated them from their small agenda. Jesus saves the world not by shedding the blood of his enemies, but by allowing his own blood to be shed in an act of redemptive love. This is the way of the saint, not the hero. This is our way. And it's what makes us more than conquerors. Have you ever thought of that? What's more than a conqueror? These people suffered disappointment, but realized that Jesus was now present with them. That made them more than conquerors. If we choose unforgiveness blame, criticism and bitterness as companions on our journey with hurt and disappointment, 
will be caught looking down at the shadow of a stranger and it will remain just a shadow. To lift our eyes and look to Jesus in my hurt is to invite forgiveness and to know him intimately. To walk with him definitely means letting go of some things you pick up along the way. I once saw a myriad of crosses, shapes and sizes of all colours and materials coming into one. It was like massive crosses coming into one. It was a picture that I had which showed me that I'd picked a bit of Jesus from here and there and here and there. And He was a fragmented Jesus. You could say a multiple schizophrenic. But I suddenly became, it suddenly became clear to me that Jesus was one man with one mind, one body, who died one death, who was raised to life, one man who had loved me by laying down his life for me. My theology took a bashing, but my faith became solid. I realized along the way of faith that I had faith in the process of prayer, believing I get answers because of the way I do it, how often, how long, how loud. I had faith in my asking, getting him to do what I wanted. I have come to realize prayer is not God management. Prayer reforms in me the image of him who made me. The prayer Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven. Isn't that formative? Immediately, those first words, our, were together. Father, Father, it establishes a relationship. I learned to be in a rush at Bible college and have since learned the values of patience as a great attribute to God. I wanted to change the world as those early disciples and Simon the Zealot was amongst them. He was a terrorist. That's what he was. Fighting against the Romans. The disciples expected the Messiah to rise up and destroy the occupying force. An author, Brian Zand, a radical author actually that I'm enjoying in recent times, wrote, Our task is not to change the world, but to be that part of the world changed by Christ. Those disciples on the Emmaus Road were forever changed by Christ. They answered his invitation to feast at the table. My prayer is that we open our hearts and invite him into our rigid theology, our pain and disappointment, our shame and self-condemnation, our confusion that he makes himself known to us in the breaking of bread. Disappointments that bind can be transformed by a single crumb. But it's not a single crumb that he invites us to eat. It's a full table prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. The shadow of death, slavery to the law, is swallowed up in the reality of his broken body and his shed blood which promises the reality of things to come, our risen saviour, our risen life. And though in this world we may not see everything as it should be, and those disciples still were under Roman occupation, though in this world 
We may not see everything as it should be. We see Jesus. The Colosseum is a ruin. Love remains. We are more than conquerors because we see Jesus and he is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will not leave us as orphans, but he calls us sons. And if you want me to add daughters, I will, but you have to remember, I have to be part of the bride of Christ. So he cancels every dividing thing and divisive thing, even gender. He encompasses it and fulfills for us the full law in his body. And it's what we come to. When we come to this table and we remember his body broken for us, it's as if all of those scriptures of hope that he unpacked deal with the loss and disappointments that we face. Deal with the challenges and the things we can't understand. It doesn't wipe them away, but it takes the sting out because he truly has taken the sting out of death for us. And joined us to our Heavenly Father, bringing us into that glorious freedom of the sons of God. He's lifted our eyes and shown us that he hasn't gone, he hasn't left us, but he's with us and will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen.